Are you thinking about property? Great, you're in the right place because so are we. Join us each Monday as we talk to estate agents, architects, solicitors, surveyors, and all of the cast of characters who populate this endlessly fascinating Irish property market. Our aim is to make you feel better informed and more confident with each decision you have to make as you buy, sell or renovate your property. I'm Breffney O'Kelly. I'm a licensed property buyer and coach. Thank you for listening. So you're very welcome. Today is episode 35 of At Home with Breffney and we're talking about money laundering and it's actually a fascinating subject and somehow I can't believe that after all the years I've asked clients to get their AML documentation to me before I can take them on as clients. I've never really stopped to think about AML, anti-money laundering. Right, I need to establish that my clients are who they say they are in case they are indeed uh, villains who have piles of cash who are trying to launder their cash to the purchase of property and I'm an unwilling participant in the whole money laundering process so increasingly the world is more regulated and certainly as an industry uh, the estate, world of estate agents has become painfully regulated in terms of having to get a license in terms of GDPR data protection in terms of anti-money laundering so I guess nobody ever starts a business because they're so keen on regulation that doesn't tend to be our motivation so for us it's kind of a painful part of the process all the paperwork that needs to be gone through but Anne-Marie Whelan who I'm talking to today uh, Anne-Marie you it's not such a painful process for you but can I just because it's your business yes um, but can I ask you firstly can we just talk about the whole concept of money laundering and using property to launder money you had a good example there of yeah absolutely there definitely are examples there and and sometimes it can be kind of somewhat hidden because it's mm -hmm. not necessarily the transfer of funds that makes it obvious that it's the proceeds of crime you're dealing with an asset you're dealing with you know a piece of real property yes um, and oftentimes estate agents are only one part in that process and yeah. not handling the funds relating yes. to that transaction but we have seen a case um, particularly in London which I particularly love um, because we've now got a street that's colloquially referred to as millionaires row mm -hmm. and I looked into this and I was like you know it's clearly got another name I think yeah. it's St John's Wood yeah. or something like that but they call it Millionaire's Row because it turns out that firstly none of the properties you can purchase for less than a million pounds right um, but secondly the majority of owners of those properties are foreign nationals and in many cases, they're often Russian oligarchs mm -hmm. um, who probably have questionable sources for the funds used to buy those properties. Yeah. And I suppose the, the, the reason why they do this is because firstly, they can. Yeah. There are clearly loopholes in the system that don't uh, force them to disclose their initial source of, of income. Yeah. But also, if they ever wanted to transfer on those properties, oftentimes people don't stop to ask the question, well, where did you get the money originally? Yeah. To buy this house. Yeah, because it's the further step down the food chain. It's now bricks and mortar that it, has value exactly. in itself, and you don't look behind that. That's it. And I've noticed with how, just that kind of a row, millionaire's row, it, sometimes you see them and there seems to be no sign of life whatsoever there. Yep. They look like they just bought and held and nothing's happening in them. Absolutely. And I've often wondered about that, but now when you say maybe it's uh, 
the reason it doesn't it doesn't have to be a cash generating asset or anything it simply is an asset it's basically a holding vessel for funds that absolutely yeah and unlike that it is it's it's more kind of the end of the chain so mm -hmm. when we're talking about money laundering and um, we often talk about the kind of three stages yes you know and um, placement layering and integration okay great <laughs> well let's see placement so placement is is where you literally take the the dirty money or the proceeds of crime and you t attempt to place it into the financial services system okay. usually or avail of some sort of financial transaction which adds some level of legitimacy to the funds and yeah. creates a paper trail okay and if you can get over that first hurdle yes you're then in a good position to get involved in the layering process yes which is where you engage in multiple transactions again generating a longer and longer paper trail which distances the original proceeds of crime mm -hmm. from the ultimate asset mm -hmm. and that's where you get integration so when somebody's buying a property or buy even buying a car mm -hmm. or a plane um, that's the integration stage so you've now got an asset and trying to link that back to the original crime becomes mm -hmm. almost impossible because mm -hmm. you have to go back through multiple uh, transactions, yeah. probably multiple entities involved, yes. multiple people. Companies and structures and things. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, that's your kind of stereotypical uh, money laundering scheme. Okay. <laughs> so when as estate agents, and I hope there are estate agents listening, that tends to be my audience. When as estate agents, we ask clients for their anti-money laundering documents, effectively, that's exactly, we're, we're helping stop any. Absolutely. Like the, the first thing about, I suppose, a regulator's approach to yes. compliance to anti-money laundering is to determine whether an entity has the appropriate procedures. Yeah. So like, None of us are probably capable of wiping out money laundering. Yeah. Criminals will probably always find a way. But if you have adequate policies and procedures that are compliant with the legislation, it creates a barrier. Yeah. It, it creates another hurdle that criminals have to jump over yeah. before they can get away with it. Yeah. But also, ultimately, when you're holding those passport photos and mm -hmm. the um, proof of residential yeah. address for your customers, it's really an anticipation of the day when the guardie come knocking on the door and yes. go, we believe your client is involved in criminal activity. Can you tell us who's involved in this purchase? Yeah. That you're in a position to say, this is who they are or who I believe them to be because yeah. they've produced a passport and they've produced a, a utility bill. Yeah. Um, and there's the documentation. Yeah. And, and that's how we all kind of help to try and minimize the impact of uh, illicit funds going into our legitimate uh, transactions. That's interesting because some of my clients I don't actually meet in person. Some of my yes. clients live in another part of in another continent. So actually on that very subject I was asking a solicitor their advice about com completing my money anti-money laundering procedures yes. because in this case let's say it's John and Mary Smith living in uh, Hawaii. They say they are them. They send me a passport for John and Mary Smith, but I have no idea if, if that is actually who they are. Yes. So my solicitor suggested quite a sensible thing, which was if you haven't physically met them, get them to take a photograph of themselves holding their passport <laughs> open on um, the yes. photograph page, which I thought that was a very good idea. So oh, absolutely. And I've seen that with a, a lot of firms. Um, the, the UK have been far quicker to adopt alternative methods of identifying people, yeah. but they've got the benefit of interconnected databases. So you're nearly identifiable by your postcode. Okay. <laughs> right? right. So um, they've got electronic verification. We don't have that because our 
database systems aren't connected. Right. Even the Gardaí don't have access to interconnected databases okay. on, on people. So um, an alternative that's often um, proffered for non-face-to-face -face contact is certified copies. Okay. So where you have somebody that um, is reliable, I like suppose, a like a solicitor right. or a notary or um, another type of lawyer that can swear that they have seen the original document they can say that that's the same person that, that showed it to them, take the copy and then send it to you. So you can rely on that certification as an extra measure. Yes. Because non-face-to-face -face obviously heightens the risk of impersonation, yeah. of you know identity theft. So it does need that extra step. Mm -hmm. Okay, so estate agents are known maybe for the cut of a, a fancy suit, yeah. <laughs> for the use of a charming phrase and for a bit of uh, schmoozing and general sweet talking. They're not necessarily known for their rigorous implementation of systems. I'm sorry now for, oh, okay, all the babies were recording this in Herbert Park, having exited the Herbert Park Hotel because it was too noisy once again. And now we're in Herbert Park itself, so it's quite loud. So apologies for that. So anyway, estate agents were not known necessarily for um, our love of regulation. So you have a product for estate agents. If I'm setting up as an estate agent, which I have, except I'm a buying estate agent, and I think, oh God, right, I have to comply with all the GDPR, I have to comply with anti-money laundering, and probably a few other bits and pieces. Can you help? Is that what your business does? Yes. So the primary function of our help, our business is to, to help entities to comply right. with their regulatory <laughs> compliance obligations. And some of the key areas that we look at are anti-money laundering, GDPR, and consumer protection, which wouldn't necessarily impact on estate agents. Right. But we have a kind of dual process. Mm -hmm. We have training services and we have consultancy services. Okay. And within our training services, we've yeah. specifically developed uh, an online training okay. for estate agents yeah. on anti-money laundering okay. and on GDPR. Yeah. And within our consultancy side... So um, just, just on that one, now, I am an estate agent. I'm yes. not sure that I'm squeaky keen in terms of whatever. So I go onto your site. Is there a, is there a product specifically called estate agents? It's GDPR for estate agents okay. or AML for uh, property services providers. Okay, and I presume I buy this course, is that uh, right? You can. Um, so we're trying to create a system where you can literally go onto the website, pay a small fee, access the, the course straight away. Okay, so say I do, what would the small fee be? Just for any estate agents listening, what kind of money, or have you... 50 been, euro is 50 the, the cost for one license. For one so license, okay. What we've tried to do, we've obviously been engaged with a number of larger estate agents yeah. uh, who want to roll this out internally. Yeah. So we've been able to give them packages with multiple licenses okay. involved. But for an individual, hopefully we can still make it accessible. Okay, so just to be a bit nitty gritty here, because I might yes. be a customer for you. <laughs> I go online, I get a course. Here's the lazy part of my brain saying, I don't want a course, I just want <laughs> yes. it done. Um, how easy is it for me as an estate agent to just get it done? Like, are there templates for me to fill in? Are there, you know, how much work do I have to do as a, a reluctant estate agent? Uh, well, that depends, I suppose, how prepared you want to be and yeah. how, um, I suppose, consistent you can be in yeah. your, your day to day. So the Property Services Regulatory Authority has made CPD mandatory yeah. for all property CPD services providers. Professional session. development. Yeah. yeah. So we're hopeful that our course by completing that you're you're completing their requirement in terms of actually 
sitting a course in AML. That's a great idea. That's yeah. a great, because it's already painful. You said you're addressing two pain points in one. Yes. No one likes doing CPD particularly and nobody likes regulation. That's yeah. a brilliant idea. Yeah. Good thinking. We're trying to make it as, as easy and accessible as okay. possible there. So in terms of a course, would it be structured in terms of modules or days or like? It's, it's very straightforward. Yeah. Um, I think we've, we've done some time testing to see yes. how long it takes people. Yeah. And if somebody can sit down at their computer for half an hour, they'll get it done. Okay, all right, well now, thank you. That's a really good bit of information. So half an hour gets this, say, AML done? Yes. Okay, and the, then the GDP or the data protection one? Probably that is similar as well. Okay, <laughs> I think we're still okay to be heard. They're going to have another race. <laughs> now the race ahead of our our interview great okay so then GDPR is that a similar price point and um... yes um, and I suppose the other thing about um, GDPR is that there, there's still a lot of misconceptions out there yes and even last week the Data Protection Commission issued a kind of a, a an FAQ on things yeah. that are GDPR and things that aren't yes because they were getting somewhat ridiculous queries okay or stories about things where entities had claimed that they couldn't do something because of GDPR exactly uh, yes uh, which is nonsense like uh, but they're just hiding behind it as a way of not Exactly, doing this and, that. and right. I think the, the best example that they they found was a hairdresser's. Yes. Regular client phones up and says, um, you know, do you have an appointment? They're like, yeah. oh, sorry, we can't deal with you for a couple of days. She's like, okay, I need an appointment. I'm going to go elsewhere. But can you tell me what hair dye I used? You, yeah. you used yeah. in my hair yeah. the last day I was here. And they're like, oh, sorry, we can't because of GDPR. Oh, I know. I, I hear you. It's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. That sounds completely nuts. So. So GDPR then, that's another course that estate agents can simply go online and buy and comply yes. with. And that's another 50 euro price point yes. and half hour length of time? Or? Yes. Oh wow, that is fantastic. <laughs> so is there anything else you offer to estate agents? Yeah, so one of our main, the main tenants of our business is actually face-to-face -face training as okay. well. So we've often found that sometimes, and particularly those with a kind of a compliance role within an entity, yeah. prefer face-to-face -face yes. than online. Yes. Because you have the opportunity to ask questions and yes. tease out issues that may have popped up in your own day-to-day. Um, and might want clarification on. So yes. there's an element of consultancy there as well that we yeah. can answer questions. And we, we happen to be running an event on the 4th of April in Dublin. Okay. In the Grand Canal Hotel. Right. Where we would do a two hour AML session. Yes. And a two hour GDPR session. For estate agents. For estate oh, agents. And financial brokers. But you know, the, the option is there. Okay, and what, what does that cost? Um, each session is 195 euro. Each session, okay, but that's a two-hour session, and you'll be there in person to answer questions. Exactly. Yes. Okay, that sounds very interesting. I think that's a good idea, just to offer people the option to do it in person too. Yeah. And did I see a consultancy? Yes. Yeah, so that's... so we kind of they kind of go both go hand in hand for yeah. me because I find that the preparing the training material keeps me up to date on yes. things, but also then engaging in consultancy projects, it tends to give me ideas around the problems that people are having yes. that I can head off in the training as well and yes. address those. Um, so from the consultancy perspective, we offer advice, we offer draft policies and procedures or reviews of written policies and procedures yeah. to make sure that everything's up to date. Yes. And particularly from an anti-money laundering perspective, we only transpose the fourth EU money laundering directive in November. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of firms that are still behind in terms of updating the content yeah. to reflect those new changes. Yeah. And then on top of that, we have a fifth anti-money laundering directive coming down the line. 
that we're supposed to transpose by next January. Okay, and transpose means implement? Uh, create or? an Irish uh, piece of legislation that reflects oh, the gotcha. requirements right. of the Oh, gotcha, right, into our own legal system. Yes. So, uh, what do you find when you go into a state agency? Do you find generally a lack of appetite <laughs> for this whole area, or...? Yeah, like I think there's, it's an evolving level of compliance. I yes. think the, the Property Services Regulatory Authority actually only became the competent authority for money laundering at the end of 2016. Okay. So for for a while there, there wasn't really somebody paying attention to what estate agents were or were not doing from yeah. a compliance perspective. Yeah. Now they are. Yeah. And we saw in the UK the equivalent body um, only a couple of weeks ago raid, I think it was 50 different estate agent premises. Raid? I mean, what a I name. I know. <laughs> um, they, they, were, they were very, very gung-ho about it. Um, but it has led to regulatory sanctions and one or two estate agents were hit with fairly hefty fines mm -hmm. as a result of them not having adequate procedures. Right, in case. So it's, it's very important to remember that any of our competent, <laughs> any of our competent authorities whether it's the Property Services Regulatory Authority or the Central Bank or, or a Department of Justice, they're not looking for evidence of money laundering. Yeah. What they are looking for is evidence of policies and procedures and yes. you know, people doing training that are fully aware of the obligations yes. under the legislation and demonstrable compliance. Yes. You know, so having a training record to say every year on such and such a date, I went to such and such an event that satisfies the, the PSRA in terms of me completing my anti-money laundering training for this year. Yeah. That there's a record of that, that written policies and procedures firstly exist. Yes. <laughs> Secondly, are up to date. Yes. And then thirdly, are actually being implemented by staff. Right. So, you know, if I was to come in and sometimes we do kind of audits or reviews. Yes. Just to test so that we're testing rather than regulator sure. testing. Yes, that's a great we're not going to find you. You're a mystery shopping <laughs> <one> first. Or... <laughs> yeah. To try and make sure that the, the standard is there, that the documents are there that need to be there. Right. And, you know, we've done that with a few state agents and some have been really, really good. Some mm. have been not so good, but mm. there's always room for improvement. Yeah. You know, and we always find that we're making recommendations mm -hmm. for improvement. Sure. And it seems to me that if you have a, if you fully embrace this rather than pushing it away and just fully embrace it and get systems in your own software to make sure you're compliant, then it, really it should be a source of comfort to you rather than a source of you know, anxiety to you. So you're never going to feel like, oh my God, what happens if the guardian knock on the door? Yeah. You know, or if the regulator wants to do an audit, you know, that you're confident that you have something in place that you can stand over and say, look, this is how we do it. Mm -hmm. Now, there might be times where the regulator goes, well, we'd like you to do a bit differently or we'd like you to do it a bit better. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. You take those recommendations on board and you move on. But if you've not confronted the issue internally, mm -hmm. you're never going to be in that place of comfort where you have any confidence in what you're, what you're doing. Right. So when we're talking about layering for anti-money laundering, we kind of need to layer our own <laughs> approach yes. to this whole thing and start, at least just start. Absolutely. And maybe a good start would be to come to the conference the, the yeah, training so it's a training day yeah. on the 4th of april right okay yeah. very good well i'd say to any estate agent listening who is or isn't who isn't very sure that they are fully compliant it sounds like an excellent plan to attend a course i think i might put myself down and <laughs> um, the other question for you is that let's say someone's listening to this they might be free to go to a course or they may not think they need a course where else can they find information on this whole subject and how you 
can help? Well, our website, we try and keep updated uh, as much as we can. It's www.regsol.ie, okay, yeah. We also have a newsletter that goes out monthly that okay. you can subscribe to on the website. Right. And we try to include any recent AML examples and GDPR examples. Very good. Um, so people are fully aware of what's, what's coming. Okay, and if I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, say I'm an estate agent and I'm signing up and I want this newsletter, do I get a newsletter for the whole world, including financial people, or is there one specially for estate agents? It, it's a bit broader, and, but I find that particularly for anti-money laundering and GDPR, you know, there's lots of different entities that are impacted by AML. Yeah. It's the same legislation. Right. And similarly with GDPR, there's so many entities. Every business in Ireland has to comply with GDPR. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of what we try to include will be helpful hints on compliance generally. Yeah. Okay. But also real life examples. Right. So Great. from time to time, you might find that there is an example of an estate agent that has done something wrong. Right. And has been fined, you know, right. and we will certainly include that. Okay, it's not an area that anyone loves, I guess. And you've made it as painless as possible by the sounds of things for estate agents to address this area of regulation and get their house in order. So, well, thank you very much for sharing that with us, Anne-Marie. I think that's super useful to anyone listening who's, in fact, as you say, everyone needs to be in GDPR yes. world. Well, so thanks thank for you. having me. That's a great pleasure. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, we'd love you to subscribe to it and tell your friends, family and colleagues. In the meanwhile, if you think you'd benefit from some professional help with your next property transaction, then head over to brefneokelly.ie to see which of our three property services might be best for you. Thanks for listening.